I'm Kathy Zipp, Associate Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speak, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. Today I'm here with Christina Peterson, VP of EDF Renewable Energy's Solar Business Unit. Christina will discuss Anexco's rebranding and we'll also hear her perspective on the U.S. solar industry in general. First off, Christina, can you discuss Anexco's rebranding to EDF Renewables, the advantages this business move offers, and what will this rebranding mean for the solar industry in particular? At the time that that acquisition occurred, the EDF group owned 50% of EDF Energy Nouvelle, and basically EDF parent company acquired the remaining 50% of EDF Energy Nouvelle in August of 2011. It's about a little bit longer than a year since the acquisition. So basically, as a natural consequence of the full integration within the EDF group, Anexco adopted a new name and a new logo as of August 20th of this year, and so Anexco is now formally known as EDF Renewable Energy. I think that this is a good thing in that it reflects the closer relationship of our company with the EDF group and its status now as a fully owned subsidiary, 100% owned by the EDF group. So that gives us tremendous balance sheet capacity and capability in terms of balance sheeting projects and avoiding the need to go out to the commercial bank market or the capital markets for construction financing. So that gives us a real competitive advantage in the industry where you see a lot of these competition of the other developers that are less well capitalized than we are and do not have the broad global range that our company does. So I, I think overall it's been a terrific change to rebrand Unexco to EDF. I think that it's increased our visibility in the market. I think many companies did know that Unexco was 50% owned by EDF in the first place, but this is just cementing that, that brand image and making now a truly global brand and global logo. Christina, can you also discuss some of the other highlights for Unexco EDF Renewable Energy in 2012? Yeah, we've got a lot going on. It's very exciting. Uh, as the head of the solar business unit here at, at EDF, I'm responsible for the program management and procurement and M&A activity for all solar projects in the United States. We have 156 megawatts of projects under construction right now in New York, California, and Hawaii. So all very different markets, all very different types of projects. One is carport project, which is technically complicated and a great use of solar panels, but in specific areas and geographies. We're building also a 143 megawatt project as part of that 156 megawatts that I mentioned in the Kern County in California for the uh, Catalina Solar Project. So that's a massive project. It's the largest project that we built in North America to date. And we also have a number of commercial rooftop solar projects that we're building for another customer uh, under a PPA in Hawaii. As you know, Hawaii has very high electricity rates and a good solar resource, so it makes perfect sense to be doing a commercial rooftop in Hawaii. We're working across these different markets. We're doing all different types of applications of solar PV, and I think that just kind of shows that EDF has the breadth and depth of technical skills and financing skills and ability to pull together complex projects for its customers. I think when people need projects to get done, they call us because they know that if we make a commitment, we do get the project done. What is EDF Renewable Energy excited about going into 2013? 
I've been in the solar industry almost seven years now, and it's always exciting. I've never seen an industry that's growing as fast as this industry, except maybe commercial silicon chip manufacturing industry. It's just an amazing uh, industry in that we've seen the original growth of PV really was in Europe, and we are starting with the German feed-in tariff, then the Italian feed-in tariff, the Spanish feed-in tariff, the French feed-in tariff, and of course that kind of structure where you have monopoly electricity companies paying a flat rate for a certain type of PV, and effectively it's a pass-through of the sovereign credit of that country, it makes it very easy to finance those projects. So you saw solar just take off in 2006, 2007, 2008. Then we had the world financial crisis. That kind of took the wind out of the sails for a while. And then what we've seen is despite this crisis and the ongoing kind of recession in the United States, we're still seeing 109% growth last year in solar installations in the United States. This year, the numbers I'm hearing is like 116% growth. So can you imagine if the economy was actually better, where our growth rate would be? PV solar has come from a very small cottage industry just seven years ago to employing over 100,000 people in the United States now. I think there's going to be continued growth. I think that there's residential solar, there's commercial solar, and there's utility-scale solar. We only play in the commercial and utility-scale segments. I think that right now commercial is responsible for about 50% of the total installations in the United States, and utility-scale is about 25%. In terms of growth rate within a segment, utility-scale is getting bigger. And of course, that plays to our strengths in that you have to have a lot of balance sheet capability to finance those types of projects. It's making long-term, multi-hundred million dollar commitments to projects, and I think that we're one of the few entities in the United States that can actually do that right now. It's pretty exciting to be in this business. I definitely don't see it going down. I could talk about some of the trends that I see. The consolidation in the industry particularly on the manufacturing side, is obviously good for a developer in that just a few years ago with the feed-in tariffs in Europe, it was very difficult to get a hold of solar panels and the pricing was much higher. Uh, what we've seen is a 75% reduction in the price of solar panels in the last three years. I think that we're still seeing some softness in the pricing and so that's obviously good in terms of our capex for these projects. The other thing in terms of so consolidation on the manufacturing side is a major global trend. And then the other trend that I think is really helping uh, EDF Renewable Energy is that we see many of these less well-capitalized developers going out of business. And so what we're seeing is that there's a lot of portfolios on the market of partially developed development assets that are offered to us. And basically, we, we do our own due diligence and see what's interesting for us. But you're seeing that these players that can't put up payments that are needed for interconnection, that can't go the distance in terms of the long development cycle and permitting cycle for these projects are falling by the wayside, and far fewer players and the ones that are the strongest financially. And diversification is helpful to some extent in this industry. In other words, not just being pure play solar integrator, actually having other businesses is good. Can you tell me, Christina, where do you think you see the industry in five years? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. Five years ago, so that would be 2007, the largest solar panel manufacturer in the world was SunTech Power out of China, and their entire production, and they were the biggest, was 346 megawatts. And now, 
the industry production is about 28 gigawatts total production capacity on Earth. That's way too much, of course. I think last year, out of that 28 gigawatts, what's going to be used this year might be about 14 gigawatts. So they're twice as much production capacity as what's needed. So I definitely think that there will be a tremendous continued consolidation on the manufacturing side. A lot of these companies will go out of business. The second and third tier players won't survive. The, the first tier players will probably get, you'll see new alignments amongst acquirers of those industries and what were pure play solar companies are probably going to become parts of larger conglomerates that are diversified in different industries. So I definitely think that's what we're going to keep seeing on the manufacturing side. And of course panel costs are still a large portion of the capex for any project. That's a very important trend. It also affects our counterparty risk. So when we buy equipment from somebody, we want to make sure that that company is going to be around in a few years and be able to stand by its warranty. I think you'll see probably five to ten large layers on the manufacturing side continue when it comes to, to panel manufacturing. I definitely think that the, the price of admission of being a developer around the world has definitely gone up. What we're seeing is a lot of utilities need various network upgrades in order to integrate PV solar into their systems, and so what we're seeing is a uh, an interesting mix across the world of how the utilities are working with the developers on that type of thing. And sometimes you're shifting the risk completely to the developer. Sometimes there's a shared kind of public-private partnership structure between the utilities and the developers, and sometimes the utility handles it on their own. That's definitely a big trend, and the costs of those are going up. In terms of total installations in the United States, I honestly don't see less than 100% growth for the next few years. I honestly don't because we're at a relatively low base compared to the countries that actually have a lot of solar installed already, and our country is so much bigger. We have a better solar resource in the desert southwest and in other parts of the country. When you put PV on a tracker in a time-of-use location, solar is quite competitive financially to gas-fired peaker plant. And then, of course, the great things about solar are we have no fuel price risk and we have no fuel availability risk. And that's very important. I mean, I think that utilities are so used to hedging their fuel price costs. Like if they're buying natural gas, they have to hedge forward for that. If they're buying coal, they have to hedge forward for that. The great thing about PV is that that resource is free. I think you're starting to see that utilities are starting to say, well, I have, this, I have these options. I can refit my old coal-fired power plant to meet the new mercury emission standards that the EPA has recently announced for the industry, or I could put a little bit of PV on my system. And I know when it's going to turn on in the day, and I know when it's going to turn off late in the day. That balances their need uh, during peak demand period. There's over 3,000 electric utilities in the United States, and as of last year, there were only about 18 of them that had more than two grid-tied solar projects connected to their system, 18 out of 3,000. So we're do, we do a lot of education to the utilities and explanation of what are the advantages and disadvantages of solar. It all, should all be part of the power generation mix. We definitely advocate for a mix because you need every kind of power generation to, to fulfill the needs of electricity demand in the U.S. I have one last question for you. 
At the recent Solar Power International show in Orlando, SIA and SEPA representatives were of the opinion that the solar industry will succeed regardless of who wins the election. But what are your thoughts as to how the election will affect the solar industry? What we as developers like to see is anything that will continue to keep the growth trajectory of solar going in the right direction. Obviously, long-term commitments in terms of policies and long-term political commitments are important uh, for the industry, and anything that can keep that growth trajectory going is important to us. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it's about jobs. Job creation from solar is often the trades. Those are the really great jobs that, you know, are electricians and civil engineering and so forth. And also, I think the other aspect of policy is solar basically does give us energy independence. And without energy independence, we are dependent on foreign sources of fuel, you know, subject to foreign exchange risk because of that, and geopolitical risk. So, so long as we have long-term line of sight into what the policies are going to be, uh, that'll be a good thing no matter who wins. All right, well, we've been speaking with Christina Peterson, VP of EDF Renewable Energy Solar Business Unit. Christina has shared her perspective on the U.S. solar industry in general and also an Exco's rebranding to EDF Renewable Energy. So we'd like to thank Christina for being here with us. Thank you so much, Christina. Okay, thank you so much, Kathy. Great talking to you. Absolutely. This has been Solar Speaks. Solar Power World Magazine's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. I'm Kathy Zip, Associate Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time.